welcome to that podcast. I'm Dave. And I'm Bo. And we've got some podcast news. The first bit on the podcast news was we got a voicemail. It was very exciting to see the email coming in. Unfortunately, we don't know who it was from. They didn't leave a name and they did not mention the podcast at all. Uh, we think they'd seen the project <laughs> on GitHub and just decided to call the number to see how it worked. And that was pretty much what they said. I don't think they said anything else, did they? Yep. Yeah, it was like a 10-second message. I was pretty disappointed because I saw it come in over one of the long weekends, I think. So I was like out. And I was like, oh, I'll check that out when I get back. And it was pretty disappointing to see that it was not actually a listener. It was some random person trying out the project on GitHub. So Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the other thing, um, oh, it wasn't really podcast news. It was just um, sort of uh, we wanted to give a shout out to Adam Wathen because he's launched his book today, which is really cool. Uh, it's called Refactoring to Collections, and it's all about using collections and pipelines, so the functional programming kind of thing. It's uh, I've read the book; it's really cool. Um, this, it's probably about half theory, and then the the second half is just all examples. And there's a lot of the examples have been taken from his daily work, and obviously adapted to anonymize them or whatever. But the examples are really good; the 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 genuine sort of real life examples, rather than just you know the made-up kind that you usually see in these kind of things. So, I'll, yeah. uh, I'll link it in the show nice. notes. But you can- I'm excited to check it out. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, I, I, haven't, I haven't really looked too much at like Laravel's collection stuff. I saw something recently going around. Someone split out the collections from Laravel support package. Yeah, I took a look. Have you seen any um, of that going around? Because the Laravel collections is quite nice, I think. Um, there's a few things, a few oddities in it yeah. to, me, that, to me that I think mostly it's quite nice. Uh, the Titan, uh, who, mm-hmm. who Adam works for, they put it on their uh, GitHub mm-hmm. profile, and it's they just pulled out their package, and they're trying to go try and keep it in parity in terms of functionality with the built-in types. Um, the only thing that, that puts me off mm-hmm. is um, it's like like a consistency thing for me. I'd like to be able to return collections from my objects, uh, but because I use Doctrine. Um, Doctrine kind of expects your collections to, like, as in your child collections or your relationship collections, to be either arrays or doctrine mm-hmm. collections, and it won't work with anything else. Uh, and I don't want to be in either juggling mm-hmm. between the two internally all the time. If that makes sense. Yeah, that was something that that was something that I ran into before. I used to use doctrine collections quite a bit. So I was I was pretty excited about those, but yeah, just having to maintain both just wasn't a lot of fun. You know, trying to you yeah. it seems like you always have the wrong type, and th- yeah, then, then it becomes it. less useful. You want useful. to be consistent as as possible, don't you? And it seems awkward to do so. I mean, and there's one thing about doctrine collections. I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure um, slice is mutating, um, which is really mm. annoying, or or returns an array even. Something like that, you know, it just doesn't seem to fit right. Oh. Um, you, you probably shouldn't quote mm. me on that, but yeah. So, this, it, in this book, are the examples all Laravel examples, or are they just general purpose? If you're using a collection library, a lot of them will be general purpose, but it uses the Laravel implementation for the mm. examples. So, the theory is going to show you how to do the theory anyway. Okay. So, it's going to show you how to implement map. It's going to show you how to implement reduce, filter, all those kinds of things. 
And then in the sort of the second half, when it shows you examples, mm-hmm. it uses the Laravel collections. Yeah. Nice. I've been trying to get the, the te- uh, devs on my team to do more things with maps and filters and things like that. And um, we just did a uh, an API request where we were querying a list of things, and I saw them on their own just drop a map, <laughs> drop a map, and then drop a filter. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. But unfortunately, it was something that could have been done by actually specifying it on the API. So we, we could have actually done the filter of the API at the API level. Um, but it was still really great to see that that's that sort mm-hmm. of becoming more a part of our culture here. It was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I'm excited to check out more of these collections packages, but I'm I'm a little hesitant to jump into, you know, either doctrine collections or like full on Laravel collections just because of the yeah, added weight of having that on there. But it's not something that's all that yeah. difficult to build yourself. That's one thing. Um, yep. But again, yep. <laughs> my reluctance is because I'm already using doctrine and it's expecting its uh, its own stuff. Yeah. So no, yeah, I'll put the mm. a link in the show notes. Otherwise, just go to twitter.com forward slash Adam Wazen and uh, you'll be able to find a link on there. So on to the, uh, mm. the meat of this oh. episode. Uh, we're jumping on something that's uh, been discussed quite a lot in the community today. Uh, and I, appropriately, I went back to our episode 20, which was in June last year, and Bo said, I quote, if we look at this conversation again in a year, I'd be curious to see how much has changed. And regarding the the actual business conversation, evidently not a lot has changed because today there's been quite a lot of arguing about <laughs> uh, the, the method signature for the proposed PSR 7 middleware standard, uh, specifically the inclusion of the response in the signature. Now, I don't know where you stand on this because you've jumped quite on the PSR seven bandwagon, and you've done lots of middleware stuff. Mm-hmm. You've written your own framework. You've written middleware things like the cookie things. So why don't yep. you tell us why the response is in there, and what you think about it? Well, to be quite honest, I I don't know what the state of the middleware spec is. I've been keeping a very loose eye on figs so if, if the request is in there that's awesome because I'm, I'm a fan response. of that or yeah sorry if the response is in there i'm a fan of that um so, so the the big reason that the the response is there or the, the the theory behind that is that the the thing that's consuming the request doesn't necessarily need to know how to generate a response so if you pass in the response almost as a prototype object you can then do things with it and and return right away with the response object. And whatever that middleware is, whatever that piece of code is, doesn't then have to tie itself to a specific implementation. And I'm actually running into this quite a bit right now. I've been experimenting with the idea of creating uh, API packages as a set of request factories. So uh, for example, if we're, we're um, doing something with the MailChimp API, Rather than actually building like a full API or working with Guzzle or something like that, like creating actual classes, I thought, you know, we should just be able to create, say, the uh, read lists request. That's, that's all it is. That's all the API really is, right? Is generating the, the correct URL and creating a re- request object. And that works really well, except that you have to generate that request object somewhere. Like I wanted to be able to use Guzzle or whatever. PSR7 client implementation I wanted to, 
but it's very, very, very difficult to create these without being able to instantiate a uh, package-specific response object or request object. And on the middleware side, it's the same sort of problem. If I want to build a uh, PSR7 implementation agnostic middleware and I need to return a response right away, I have no way to do that. If you don't pass me a response, I am then going to have to link against Zendiactros or any of the other PSR7 implementations or write my own implementation internally and instantiate a new response object that I could pass back right away. If, if you don't pass the response in, you can't do that as easily. Uh, but there's a lot of people, I don't really understand the, the counterpoints to that necessarily because I know this is a real problem and none of the other solutions solve that problem. So they're not interesting okay, so, to me. I, well, I, think we, I, I, I feel like I understand the counterpoints. So my mm -hmm. counterpoint would be that we can pass it in at construction time for the middleware and it can deal with it that way. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. What's is Okay, so you pass in the the prototype yeah. response into the constructor. Okay. Then that means that the prototype response I think we had this was the discussion we had last year. <laughs> like yeah, that's that, why that's why I brought it up. Yep, yep. And the the that works great if you have an object, but if you have a function, then you'd have to find a way to pass the response in there. And I think you said you would just use a use in that case, right? Yep. 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 Yeah. So, I mean, I understand there's ways to do it, but it just, it feels nicer and easier just to have the response handed to you. You're probably going to need it. Um, mm, I disagree with that as well. How many, how many middle of the way do have to create a response? Mm. Yeah. All right. I'll take that one back. Because the most, most appropriate use case for the response is altering it on the way out, mm -hmm. not on the way in. Right. Right. Okay. And then, so let's face it, passing in a factory or a prototype response is a constructor to the middleware mm -hmm. is not difficult. Mm -hmm. It To me, it avoids confusion of having the response go in at runtime. Now, the confusion for me is, Fiddling with this response before you pass it to the next middleware sounds weird. Yeah. I don't know what the use case for that is. Okay. But it, this allows you to do it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I don't know what people might want to do, but I don't like the sound of it. <laughs> um, you know, um, if I'm... So, okay. So given that, especially since the PSR7 responses there's no way to sort of set it back to a clean state is there no no so if i if if an outer middleware has added headers to the response already and an inner middleware just literally wants to return a 400 bad request how does it get rid of the headers yeah or does it um it i mean it? It, it, i think i mean you could code it manually to crawl the headers or get rid of all them. the headers i think so yeah like, how do you delete headers? Um, I, I don't have it in front of me. I thought there was a remove header or unset header type function. And, and you'd go through the HTTP spec, get all the possible headers that you could have, including X minus... No, no, no. You can, you, can ask, you can ask the response for get me all the headers. 
and then you can go okay. through each of those. I mean, I'm not saying it's an elegant solution by any means, <laughs> but it's, it's okay, possible. But no, I, I, I get that. That's yeah. fair. So yeah, so iterate over the object mm-hmm. to remove everything that it's been already put in there. Yeah. Okay, that's fair enough. At least you can do it then. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the other point of contention for me? Oh yeah, I just don't like the... No, it shouldn't really be a problem. I always, always, I, I don't like the idea of here's the response I'm giving you, but I still need to return the response that you give me back. Mm-hmm. That that was always sort of a point of contention for me, but it's less so. I mean, it's it's like kind of like if if people, at least if we standardize this, that'll be fairly obvious to most people, yeah. won't it? Yeah. So I, I think that's a fairly common thing that that at least I've gotten used to, like with the cookies library. You know, you, you pass in a request, you get a response back. So you pass in the response, you pass in the request and the response, you get the response back. So that's the thing that, that you're, you're caring about. So that, I guess that's never really bothered me all that much. Um, but I, I can see how it probably does feel a little weird if you're trying to do that. I'm trying to, d- does the Symphony kernel have anything like that? I feel like there was something in that where you passed along a bunch of things to the handle request that you never really did anything with. Um, with the like the terminable stuff and with the handle request for Symphony, it's the it's the throw exceptions and type of request or something. Yeah. The extra things at the end they're, they're awfully confusing. Yeah, the throw exceptions is useful for testing. That uh, I'm not sure what else how else it does that. Mm-hmm. Um. And the type is for doing sub requests, which mm-hmm. is just a mess anyway. I don't yeah. really know how that works and if it should work at all. I don't like that. Yeah. So I, I guess I can see a comparison that can be made there between the way that the PSR7 middleware interface is being proposed as having this thing that a lot of people don't see a need for. And also the th- that, that always bothered me with Symphony actually was that there was this thing that I never remembered how to do it and I only ever think I did it correctly because I was using PHP Storm, where it knew how to implement that method for me. Um, yeah. I mean, after you do it a billion yeah. times, you eventually figure it out. But yeah, I don't know. I guess the the middleware stuff for me I guess maybe just comes down to consistency, that if you if you always make it that way, that you know that you're always going to have a response if you need it. And maybe maybe it is wasteful. Maybe it's not needed. I don't know. But I do know that on the the client side that I've been working with lately, it would be really nice to be able to ask for a request somewhere and say, get me a request, get me a URL, or get me a URI that I can start working with. Um, because all of the URI implementations could be potentially different. Um, the request objects, the constructor could potentially be different, I think, right? We don't have the constructor defined in the request object, do we? No, I shouldn't think so. You can't really do that with it. Be, if, you, if you did that, there'd be barely any point having separate implementations with it. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's just been really difficult to look at that and say, okay, I want to be able to create this thing. I just want to pass around these messages. It should be really easy. And then I get stuck trying to figure out how to create them. <laughs> and, you know, the, the, the thing that I know that Benjamin, uh, Benjamin Averly talked about was he he initially proposed the, the the simple request interface, you know, just 
given given the information and get back the response of some sort. And I remember back in those days when people first started talking about the messages as being important that I threw out there really early on that we needed to have a way to create those messages because otherwise we're going to run into the problems that I have right now <laughs> where there is no, like, it's great that I can, can consume these, these generic objects that I can pass around and I can pass it off to, you know, guzzle today and HTTP plug or whatever it is tomorrow. Um, but I can't create the objects. So I'm going to end up having to create adapter packages to create the objects for guzzle or create it for, you know, HTTP, uh, PHP, HTTP project. I think they have, a I think they have a request factory, a message factory, and a response factory interface. But now I'm injecting that, and then I'm injecting their implementations, and it just it feels like a mess that that we don't have a, at least a consistent way to generate the request and response objects. Yeah, well, which I think goes on to another point, as in where interface is enough. Could we have had standard implementations? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? I mean, I- well, I I clearly do mm-hmm. uh, think we could have, uh, and I'm going to quote episode 20 again. That's what I said. I said, HCTV Foundation was good enough. It's just nobody wanted the Symfony brand on it. And I still kind of feel that way. Uh, I'm not necessarily saying it should have been HCTV Foundation, but I'm not really sure what um, sort of benefits we have get of just having particularly for the um, server request mm-hmm. and response. I don't know what benefits we have of having different implementations given that they are ego. immutable. Pardon? <laughs> ego. Ego, yeah, I think, yeah, that's probably but you know what, I mean it, yeah, so uh, if we'd had standard implementations, we wouldn't have had to worry about the response prototype being necessary. Mm-hmm. The thing is, to be honest, I'm quite happy for the response to be in the signature. Mm-hmm. I just find people the way people are arguing about it, sort of, you know, I, if you prefer it that way, then let's just say as much. Mm-hmm. I prefer it this way, rather than trying to tell me that, because you, you try and tell me you need it to thingy, and I said, yeah, it's kind of convenient for the one time you need it. <laughs> Yeah. But, you know, you could say the same for a lot of the things that are going on in every day of programming life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's probably one of those holdovers from one of the, at least the, the first things that I ever tried to do with middleware all all went around authentication, authentication and authorization, which I've seen people today talking about that probably isn't a good thing to have in middleware anyway, um, which I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Um, but in, in those cases, there was a lot of returning early with response objects with the, you know, special headers or whatever. Mm. Um, so it's, it just became natural to be able to copy that. And then if it's a consistent thing, you know, if you need it in some cases, then it's just but, really nice to have it consistent. But I understand that, you know, if you're just looking for a prototype, there's other ways to get that prototype. Yeah. And, and specifically in those instances, you are looking for a prototype. Mm-hmm not an already half-filled response, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. You'd want a clean 403, 401, mm-hmm. and it should be getting manipulated on the way back out from your middleware rather than on the way 
Yeah. Yeah. The the only so yeah, and yeah, you mentioned that. Just um there was another thread on the fig mailing list today, uh Evet brought it up. Mm-hmm. He was asking about a global state and middlewares and stuff, <laughs> uh, which is something we've talked about in the past, uh, how, you know, passing, he has an authentication middleware, and then how does the inner middlewares get the current user for mm-hmm. the request? And the options are to stick it in global state, which is like via something that gets injected into both. Mm-hmm. So someone called it their application object, but we all we may as well call that dollar global state, right? <laughs> yeah. And then the other option is attributes, which is just this big bag of untyped, unchecked, whatever you want to call it, convention-based things, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't actually reply to, to Petri Fig because I don't really want to get involved. But um, this is something you specifically, or most likely worked, mostly worked on, I, I remember discussing it with you, for Stack, uh, mm-hmm. something that we did, what, two years ago, three years ago? Yeah. Do you remember the stack authentication convention, the stack yep. authorization convention? And that was all about having specific keys in attributes and what could go into those keys. Yeah. Yep. By convention, wasn't it? Which And that kind of thing's like a whole other sort of can of worms in terms of trying to standardize middleware and things like that, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that, that attributes definitely have a, they have a high tendency to be able to be abused. Um, I think people can shove it whatever they want to in there, and I'm sure people are are shoving full user objects and attributes, um, and it, just because it's really convenient, it's easy to use, and you know you can fool yourself into thinking it's not global state of some sort, but at the same time there there is a need for that in the real world that I haven't seen people really talk about alternatives to that that work well. Or that that have yeah. ever made sense to me. Um, well, hang on, hang on. I don't. I don't consider the attributes to be global state. No. He's well, I think globally. that was the, <laughs> that was part of the point that I think Everett and or Paul were making. It was. I think it's global if you pass it around the request, as in if you don't stuff it in the request and response, it's global because okay. you're using you're mm-hmm. bypassing. But if it's going in the request and response, that's moving through the layers. Yeah. In the request, I can I don't consider it global. I just consider it a little bit. It's a little bit Wild West, isn't it? Yeah. Like, um, it's yeah, t- you know, it is. Not- it's, it is it is something that is one step better, <laughs> or, or several steps better, possibly, but still kind of fuzzy as, why are you doing that? You're abusing this this request object to yeah. put stuff on it. Um, yeah, I, I've experimented some with doing things on headers. Uh, one of the things that I ran into that I, I don't know how I missed it during the PSR7 process but the attributes are only on the server request anyway. So I okay. I can't, like, there's a bunch of stuff on server requests that I never need to touch and don't want to touch. So I, I default to wanting to work with request interface instead of server request interface uh, until I found out that I couldn't use attributes. <laughs> I'm like, oh, so I can't do anything that mm. I wanted to do really nice here. Nice, air quotes. Um, you know, doing things like, like authorization, authentication, putting stuff on the the request that something else further down the stack was going to do something with. Um, so yeah, I started to experiment doing things with headers. That's about the only thing you can do is add it to it's the, the headers. Only, yeah. The only legit way, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it? I mean, like I say, I mean, I don't think you had to do this, but the, the purest way to think about this is, you know, 
one middle layer is Nginx mm-hmm. sat in front of your back-end HTTP server, whatever that might be. Yeah. And, you know, they can't share attributes. They can't use global state. I mean, you could, yes, you could stick something in a database like Redis or something like that, but it's kind of dirty, isn't it? And yeah. you wouldn't, you wouldn't do that, but people will do it with, if it's uh, their, you know, local know, memory, local memory. Yeah. It's, um, but yeah, that was, that was one of the things that, that I know that we talked about quite a bit back in the early days of stack was trying to figure out some of these things with, you know, coming up with the conventions of how to communicate the layers between the layers. And that was one of the things that Everett said was, well, how do you talk between the layers? Like, how, like, do you standardize on the name? What if someone else picks your name that you're using? Yeah. Um, I mean, okay. there's, yeah. there's a lot of things that we could do to that that might not even involve fig that just involve people coming together and coming up with their conventions or using, you know, the, the vendor names that we've all started to use vendorize your attribute names and then there's there isn't as much of a problem there yeah no i mean uh i think you're right it's the only way to do it uh i just thought it was quite interesting that Everett was asking the question it was something you you would even put down into writing yeah <laughs> on the stack patreon website there is the conventions and there's the sort of rfcs on there isn't there yeah speaking of which had you seen uh our post on um uh, stack php the other day no. No. Uh, we're looking for a new maintainer. Uh, oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's it's something that I haven't spent a lot of time on lately. And I know that it's something that people are super into um, because people are still using Symphony more than I am right now. I, I just, I don't have the time to, to do anything with it. And, you know, Symphony 3 is out. I don't think we have a, a version that works with Symphony 3, at least not tagged. Um, so it's, it's really... A, time for us to pass that on to so people are actually use you know using it more and um i think someone asked me if it was actually being used like like what are the install stats and all of that let me see if i can pull them up i was actually kind of shocked when i looked at them like yeah well i think it's used yeah um <laughs> i looked up a uh, stack builder doing this live it has uh 4.3 million installs oh that's good and it has, what was it? Like just like the weekly and monthly stats. Yeah, it's, it's holding steady pretty well. Um, last 30 days, 128,000 installs, 5,374 today. So it's it's definitely still being used. And I know that it's in big frameworks. I think Drupal 8 made a big push to, to get it into Drupal 8 like two years ago or whatever. So it's it's not like it's not being used by people. Um, it had been used yeah. by Laravel, but not anymore. So, so yeah, Stack was a really big thing for a little while, and now PSR 7's come along. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you said, why was it that episode where you said that, that Stack probably is going to die now, but it was a little unfair <laughs> because it really could have been held along by Symphony and all that if Symphony was the main or the request thing going forward? Well, I mean, technically, it still is, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Symphony Stack is because Stack was only conventions for builder, and mm-hmm. you know, to make it easier to build, and even the the builder conventions, we we shied away from that in the end because I I, I sent a PR so that you could you could send a closure as a factory for the each yeah. thing, so it didn't have to take the you know the constructor arguments in a certain order and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. 
Um, and yeah, it's just, like I say, there's so many Symphony apps out there. The Symphony isn't going to change its HTTP kernel interface. No. No. Laravel's not, not going to change its HTTP kernel interface. Yeah. Uh, it just happens that Laravel went with a different middleware implementation. Uh, but again, you depending on if you still want to rep, use stack based middlewares on the outside of Laravel, you still can, I imagine, yep. near enough. Uh, but yeah, I just thought, I don't know. Yeah. It's, I don't think it's going to die. Like, I guess it's not going to die, but I don't know. It's just interesting, isn't it? Yeah. And, uh, and you know, I, I don't think it's necessarily dead. I, I just have very little interest in, in maintaining it at this point because I'm not doing anything with Symphony kernels anymore. Um, yep. And I know that people are using it. So I, I feel it really needs to be passed on to someone who can actually do something with it. So if there are any listeners around that are interested in taking it over, uh, send uh, me a tweet or uh, tweet uh, CHH. Oh, no, wait, no, that's not his. What's his Twitter? It's longer, right? Oh, uh, I can't remember. Yeah. It's it's part of, part of all of his names. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, it's Christoph. It's H-O-C-H-C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H. <laughs> so, uh, Was it H O C H? I can't remember. Yeah, go on. Anyway, he C H H on IRC. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and that, that, that's that's what it is in my head. There's a couple of people like that that I I remember whichever name is more convenient, and when they're different on IRC and Twitter or GitHub, it just gets all confusing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, going back to this. So, so I mean, the minute the main point of contention on the whole, whole interface is. Uh, the response thing. I'm pro it not being there, but if you really want it in there, I don't mind. Just don't try and pull the wool over my eyes by telling me you need it because you don't need it. Yeah. In fact, we've not needed it for the Symphony stuff for a while now. And uh, yeah, okay, that is because we've got the standard implementation, but then we probably should have had one with PSR as well anyway. Yeah. I, we'll be back, right back where we started at HTTP Foundation. Yeah. My feeling is that you could probably inject it as a constructor arc, but if I wasn't using Laravel's container right now, that would drive me crazy. I would absolutely hate that because wiring up every single piece of middleware, every single little request thing that I'm building and having to inject the request object or response, sorry. My my brain is wired the other way right now because I'm doing everything on the client side building these API. Yeah, you're- um, if I had to wire up a response object to inject into each one of these, it would just, I, I, the, it would just not be fun at all. <laughs> It'd be, a, you'd have to type at least 30 characters, I think, though. I know, you could manage. 30 characters. It would just be awful. But I, I get so much XML and YAML fatigue over. Oh, yeah. To be honest, um, I mean, I, uh, the way I use Silex now, it's such a monstrosity because I use so much stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's so many times I think, oh, I should really be using Symfony full stack. <laughs> but I don't want to do the dependency injection container configuration. Just that whole pimple is so, so much nicer. Yep. I honestly, I mean, I, I honestly don't mind writing the uh, stuff for pimple, mm-hmm. as in the, you know, the little factories for everything. Yeah. Uh, even to the point where I actually have quite a few generators uh, that gen sort of generate the empty factory for me now, uh, and now I just go in and fill the gaps. Yeah, 
No, no, I, I oh. think that's I, I think that's fine. But yeah, when I think of doing that in in Symphony Land, yeah, but, no, it's not oh, nice, is it? No. So, but and just uh, yeah. So given given that the, the those arguments are going on, I mean, there are other arguments as well, like whether to make it invocable. Mm-hmm. Um. So the type hint against it will be callable from middleware, mm-hmm. but the documentation, so the dot block should say middleware interface, something like that. I don't quite get it. Yeah, the the difference, so this was actually one of the problems I had early on with some of the PSR7 implementations where they created a middleware interface, and that meant that you, in order to use it, could only use their, their package, because if you use their middleware that was type hinted to their package, you had to use, you know, their whole package that was backing mm-hmm. it. So, like, Zendactros had a or was it expressive? One of the two had a, a couple of standalone middleware packages, but they were type hinted against middleware interface from the parent package or the, the implementation package. I'm like, yeah. well, this defeats the purpose. Uh, but people, I, th- I think the argument is that people like to see class implements middleware interface versus it just being callable. So they're they're thinking about well, what I've seen is the it being class middleware and then have the method still be uh, underscore underscore invoke so by yeah. extending the class it's automatically callable but the, yeah. but the reason is because they're afraid or think that people are going to be confused if it's just that it's callable and that you don't actually extend an interface yeah it just doesn't make sense to me though he's it, it got, that's not what we do in standards is it like try and compensate for people how people might be confused. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, maybe. Uh, but anyway, um, so again, going back to episode 20, I'm going to quote you again. <laughs> you said, after speaking about all these things a year ago, you said, I don't see it as a big issue. Mm-hmm. I feel like these are all things that are going to get solved. <laughs> <laughs> well, So that was a year ago. Hmm. Do you think in a year we will have? Well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> Let me tell you a little something about Fig. <laughs> Go on. A year ago, I was still involved in Fig. <laughs> okay. And uh, at at a certain point between then and now, uh, it was actually interesting. Someone posted a, a breakdown of the top posters on the Fig mailing list. Did you see that post come through ever? No, I, I generally only go to see the sort the, of things that might affect me. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember why they did that uh, or who, who posted it or why. But I was like in the top like ten, top five, something like that, up until like, like for like the year or something in like August or September, and then when, <laughs> and they said, and then this uh, the last six months or the last three months or whatever it was, and like I didn't post at all, <laughs> so <laughs> I'd been like super involved, and then it's just gone. So, yeah. I'd like to take partial credit for that. Yeah, thank you. I think when it, when it came to your involvement with the fig, um, of the two people on your shoulders, I don't know who was the angel encouraging you to carry on, <laughs> but I was definitely the devil on the other shoulder just saying, yeah. leave, <laughs> leave it, taking too much of your time. Yep. No, I, I think I think that it was, it was the right decision. But, you know, I do think that uh, there were a lot of distractions between then and now that have kept people from solving this problem until now. But I also think that we have a lot more room to to look at what we've done 
you know, what, what have people actually built? We have actual frameworks out that are fairly well used or at least well published, published now. Like, um, is it a, what's the expressive? Yeah. Expressive. I don't know why that was off the, I couldn't remember that. Uh, expressive slim is out and doing a lot of things. And, you know, these things are stable pro, these are stable projects that are getting actual users. So people are actually seeing it, um, in action and actually feeling the pain where there's pain and feeling the joy where there's joy. And yeah, so now we're getting around to saying, okay, well, let's solve the fact that we don't really have a standard middleware interface and let's fix that problem. So I'm not surprised that it took us a little while. I'm a little surprised it took Fig this long to to get to it. And yeah, they definitely haven't fixed this yet. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, so. To to summarize, I think I think we can both agree that the response is a nice to have. Mm -hmm. At the cost of mm, slightly muddy in the water, the interface for me at least, and um, it definitely doesn't. I, someone on Reddit today said that um, it violates dependency inversion principle, uh, which just seems ridiculous. As in, not having the response violates dependency inversion, uh, which just did not make sense at all to me, at least. Um, so. I think it's fine to have, if people want to have it in there and that's the standard we choose, then let's go for it. But let's not try and, you know, BS our way into saying it's a requirement. And yeah, I will be using it anyway, so I don't know why I why <laughs> I even care. I just don't like people trying to, trying to tell me I'm stupid. Yeah. Well, who's saying people are stupid? <laughs> like, well, I, I, guess, people I, are, I guess you hang out on Reddit and I don't, so. <laughs> I, d I do, I did see a lot of Reddit and I did see, but there was a lot of stuff in the fig thread as well. I don't think anyone called him stupid, but there was definitely some people saying that they didn't understand things like dependency inversion mm. and well, that kind of thing. Yeah, but I, I also know people who look at any object ever and needing it to be instantiated by a factory. So Yes, exactly. Yeah. And it's like, I, I don't subscribe to that, especially when we're talking value objects or some sort of immutable object. I mean, those, those should be safe to be created anywhere. So it's, it, yeah. it is nice for them to be created outside. It My preference, at least so far, has been it's nice to have them created outside and passed to me so that my code doesn't have to care about that. I do like that, but that doesn't mean that's the only way it has to be, because if you can get that object in some other way, great, you're, you're good to go. I, have you seen anybody talk about any legitimate reasons for either replacing the response object or setting it up correctly in advance or anything like that? Like, what do you mean? Why then? would you want the response object passed in so that you could potentially change it and pass it on so that the things that consume your response object is already prepared. So you, you uh, said not, you don't like the idea anyway. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the legitimate case for manipulating the response before the next middleware mm -hmm. is um, on the way out. Yes. Yeah, definitely on you're the way adding out. Cookies, you're adding headers, you're whatever, mm -hmm. but yeah, not on the way, the way in. I don't know what, the, I don't know what the, I think the things that cases. I, I might have. The only thing that I've seen potentially is that if for some reason the sub request that you're delegating to fails or throws an exception or something and you want to return the original response, in which case you don't have, like you want to keep access to the response 
before anything else happened so that you can potentially do something with it and disregard what was actually returned from the, the delegated method call. But that's kind of a stretch. I, I think maybe there might be some error logging, error handling and or logging middleware that might use something like that potentially. And in theory, that could move all the way up the stack and that yep. could just move up into the next stack frame. Yep. As in, yeah. That's the only thing that I can think of, but but again, those those are edge cases. Authentication is a good yeah. case for, you know. What I'm saying is the only the only way you get into that situation is if a previous middleware had manipulated the response before it got to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Because you, if you in the other theory, you wouldn't even have a response at that point, so you couldn't do what you wanted to do. No, if the if the well, yeah, I don't know if we're talking about this the the same way or not. Um, <laughs> if I yeah. if I pass the response on to something else, yes, um, I have a the, copy the of that response. You've... So I have a copy of the response to the stack to that but, point. But why do you why why do you need a copy of it? That's that point. If for some reason whatever I've called has failed, and I want to be able to do something with it, as it was. Yeah, but but again, but what, uh, what, what you've resp- said what you've said, of course, is that well, if you need the response. Something must have happened to the response before that in another yep. middleware, and that's what we're trying to find yep. out the use case for, right? Yeah. So it's kind of like we've invented a use case <laughs> that's one stack frame up from the use case we were trying to. Yeah. And it's the it's the only thing that has come to my mind while we've been talking about it here that could possibly have been important at some point is yeah this idea that if if for some reason you needed a copy of the request before you pass it down. But I I haven't run into that personally. I don't know. No, I don't. Yeah. I don't even think it exists. Yeah. But we'll find out. Somebody must have a use case somewhere. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Okay. And I'm sure it'll be a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll see. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, we should probably call it quits. Uh, and uh, no doubt we'll follow the discussions over the next week or so, and maybe even report back on what gets implemented. Yeah. I'm not going to get involved in the the actual discussions. Uh, well, I, I think I, I did my. I think it's only on voting. I mean, vo- I mean, sorry, they're voting on entrance. I think they're voting. Entrance, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, but I mean... we got a good three still- years to wait. <laughs> we'll talk, we'll talk again yeah. in three years and see if, if Fig has figured out the, the middleware interface yet. Well, well, I'm holding you to your... Uh, I feel like these things are all going to get solved from last year, so... Yeah. <laughs> all right. Okay. You can hold me to that. All right. All right. Cheers, Bo. Well, let's call it a wrap. You've been listening to that podcast with Bo and Dave. You can find Bo on Twitter and Google Plus at Bo Simonson and Dave on Twitter at Dave Development. You can subscribe to this podcast and review it on iTunes. If you'd like to review us but don't feel like we've earned five stars, email us so that we can talk about your issues. You can also subscribe to this podcast with RSS from our website, thatpodcast.io. From our website, you can also sign up for our newsletter to get super secret extra content from Bo and Dave sent directly to your inbox like the music you can thank gorillo for allowing us to sample the track dust kingdom for our intro and outro you can find dust kingdom and other tracks by gorillo at grillo.bandcamp.com spelled g-r-i-l-l-o 